The warmth of your body shares itself, conditioning the material. It goes from rigid to smooth, stationary to mobile, inanimate to something else. Roll it on the surface in front of you, tap it into a geometric shape, mold it into a form. Allow your impulses to surface. Let your fingers do the thinking. Welcome to Material Fields, where we explore the intimate relationships between people, their creative practices, and the materials they have fallen in love with. I'm your host, Katherine Monahan. I'm an audio storyteller, writer, and artist living in Oakland on a lonely land. So it's the holidays, two years into the pandemic, and I don't know about you, but I am going all in this year. The holidays are a complicated time, and I totally get that it's not for everyone. But something about my particular flavor of mental health this year is just like, if I'm on the struggle bus, you know, I'm going to be here for a while. I might as well temporarily have the holiday classics blasting as I idle in the parking lot eyeing the stick shift. Speaking of holiday vibes, uh, if you are still in need of some gifts for loved ones, you can support Material Feels and check out our Etsy shop, Waveform Ceramics. We've got the Fill Your Cup line inspired by mental health and art and creativity and a new line of functional sculptures. I call them cosmic radios. They are planters that are based off of antique radios with a little psychedelic twist here and there. A reminder that this is a hiatus episode of the show. It's kind of the in-between between season two and season three. If you want the full experience, scroll back a bit and catch up on earlier full-length episodes from season one or two where we feature a guest and deep dive into a material. Today, it's just you and me, baby, and our material, polymer clay. This fall, I started playing with polymer clay, specifically making miniature versions of objects I love and want to use every day. My studio headphones, my RE20 mic, my Zoom recorder, my mic stand. I got really into it. I taught a few friends how to make their own charms, and I also made a little project I call self-care medallions, and I keep them on my bedside. First, what is it? Polymer clay is sort of in the extended family of clay, but it's not clay. It's actually more of a plastic. It contains the basis of PVC resin and a liquid plasticizer that keeps it workable. It's also the youngest material we'll probably ever cover. We usually focus on materials that have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Polymer clay is decidedly at the kids' table at this family function and probably is going to stay there for a very long time. They are turning a spry young age of 92 next year. So how did this material get made? How was it discovered? Often in the material world, in the arts, and with inventions, there's not one origin story. Cultures begin utilizing a particular material in parallel. Timelines are more like spider webs than a linear progression of first this, then that. One version of polymer clay was created in Germany in the 1930s by a doll maker, Kath Kruse, to use for her doll heads. Her daughter, whose nickname was Fifi, kept using the material and eventually sold it in sets when she was an adult. In the 60s, Fifi sold the idea to a pencil company, Eberhard Faber, and the substance morphed into the well-known brand Fimo. Around this time, a chemist in the U.S. created a similar material in a lab while trying to create a substance that could act as a thermal transfer. 
The material was seen as a byproduct of an experiment that didn't really work out until a young family member visited the lab and sculpted something out of it. This material would eventually be dubbed Sculpey. Over the course of the 20th century, polymer clay found a home as an arts and crafts staple. What is the personality of this clay? Polymer clay is known as a humble medium, as a chameleon. It's affordable and easy to use at home. You can imagine how popular this material became over the past few years when many of us have been sheltering in place, picking up old hobbies or trying new ones, stuck at home and looking for something to do. Using your hands, toothpicks, embossing tools, mini spatulas, and other tools for shaping and texturizing, you can make polymer clay look like metal, wood, leaves, fur, fabric, and more. After it cures, you can glaze and paint it. It's as versatile as clay without as much mess and arguably less energy consumption as it only takes 30 minutes and 275 degrees to cure something small in your oven. Just a note, polymer clay isn't only used for miniatures. There are extensive ways to use it, but that's what I'm focusing on today because that's what I use it for. It moves like clay, it's malleable like clay, so there are certain things that came naturally to me, ways of working with the material that felt like home and made sense. But again, it's not clay. There were totally new rules and ways to treat the material. For instance, the size of my hands changed. I felt like Alice after one of the drink me potions. My fingertips were suddenly clumsy, and the sheer power in the force of my hands I, I, I felt like a giant monster, simply because of the scale at which I began to work. I had to do a different kind of dance. And another big change, polymer clay reacts to temperature, whereas clay, it's all about moisture. The heat from your hands can make it sticky. If it's a chilly day out, it's harder to work with. After my two-month affair with polymer, I realized that getting to know this very distant second cousin twice removed of the material I had worked with for the majority of my life made me approach my main boo a little differently. I became more sensitive to detail, more careful and planned. I felt a lightning bolt of pride when I would effectively produce a little miniature microphone that looks just like I wanted it to. I wanted to feel that reward sculpting with clay. I started making some sculptural planters inspired by antique radios, and I realize now when I look at the finished pieces, the little knobs and bits of equipment, they mirror what I had been rendering in polymer clay. I don't think I would have ever considered making pieces like this if I hadn't first made miniature recording equipment with polymer clay. I'm sharing this story because it was just like six weeks to two months of my life that I sort of deviated and tried something that I never thought I would try. My parents gave me polymer clay for my 30th birthday, uh, kind of as a joke because they wanted me to embrace my inner child. They said I used to love playing with it when I was a kid and that I've always been so playful. And, you know, polymer clay is not just for kids, but it definitely has that reputation. Um, and so I didn't actually unwrap my present until I was with my niece and my nephew in April of this year. Playing with them, I was just like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I, I, I could do with this. And then um, a couple months ago, I tried it out in the context of my own practice. So the road to this adventure was very unexpected. Uh, I didn't even realize I was walking it. And so I wanted to share it because I'm just thinking that maybe there's something in your life similar, or maybe there's a second cousin twice removed of your passion that you might want to spend a little quality time with. And I want to talk for a second about the concept of miniatures um, and why 
people love little things so much. There are so many kinds of miniatures and miniature art has been around for hundreds of years. The act of making something itty bitty teeny weeny has been a creative impulse for portraiture, figurines, food, and more. And there are also psychological reasons why we like tiny things. When something is small and intricate, it needs to be handled with care. Our need to be more caring and nurturing is sparked. It's so cute. I just want to love it. Miniatures also allow a bit of escapism where we can feel powerful and in control. And they contain a lot of detail, which for our brains is kind of like a juicy snack. We are intrigued. But I think there are some other reasons why miniatures resonate with me right now. I've always been a person with several passion projects, a handful of hobbies, two majors, three jobs. But working with the miniatures, everything else in my life fell away. I had to zoom in to make that square inch in front of my face my sole focus for two hours. My mind was quiet, and when I was finished, I felt so proud. Even though those little miniatures are just sitting in my garage, like, (laughs) they're not doing anything. (laughs) And I actually, like, I put them on my Etsy shop, but I priced them. (laughs) Like, I don't think... I don't think anyone's going to buy them and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, I love them, but I want them to just like be there and hang out and I can say hi to them every day. (laughs) But they, they didn't just do nothing. They did something important for me. That practice allowed me to access intense focus and this sense of pride in my work. I felt so joyful when my little mics came out of the oven. (laughs) Sometimes I feel lost in the bigness of things. Thinking about the sheer scale of life, all of the different topographies, people, time periods, technological advances, and then the more abstract, all the emotions, desires, fears, dreams. I get pretty overwhelmed when I start thinking like this. Maybe maybe you can relate. Maybe I'm not alone. I don't know. (sighs) That feeling of focusing on something small until it comes to fruition, it's intoxicating. I felt so determined when I was working on those miniatures and so joyful just looking at them makes me happy. So I started thinking about other ways that miniatures show up in our lives, physical ways, conceptual ways. I tried to start to think of things that are seem small, that take a lot of focus and that have a big reward. For instance, my shopping list, starting with the base ingredients and turning it into three or four hearty meals, meals that give me energy to show up and live life with a bit more vigor. Meals that make me want to share with loved ones. Attention to detail because I don't want to waste food, because I want to get the right amount, I have what I need, and that little splash of creativity when it comes to choosing exactly what. Because I enjoy cooking and I want my food to be interesting and fun. What's a miniature in your life? Something that takes up a square inch of concentrated mental space, but when you douse it with focus, produces a disproportionate, flaming, fiery reward. Thinking of less tangible miniatures in our lives, I might think about, say, 10 people in in my mind throughout the day who I haven't interacted with in a long time. I replay a vivid memory, a story, or a phrase that they once said. Something I see reminds me of them. These miniatures have the potential to encourage me, make me laugh, and remind me of who I am. Sometimes, on the other hand, I have rigid thoughts, the, the dark side of these miniatures, Ideas that the sensitive, sad part of me conjures now and then. One popular one I take off the shelf often is that I'm not making a difference in the world. Ooh, that's a doozy. But then 
when I tread back to the start of this train of thought and I think about all the people who have contributed to building the life that I live now as a quote unquote individual, that miniature crappy thought loses its power. My friend Ned in elementary school, he and I used to create elaborate musicals with his Playmobiles. We even typed up a script on a typewriter and performed with all of his stuffed animals. My friend Aista in high school, being ridiculously playful with me and teaching me that my sense of humor had a place in the world. My art teacher, Miss Longobardo, eighth grade, giving me a book I use for the rest of my life to build my own curriculum when I teach. Even though I don't have active relationships with them now, these memories are miniatures that have a place in my mind and an impact on how I show up in the world. I can imagine moments like these as a wall of miniatures, intricate sculptures, charms, and keepsakes that I can weave into my day. And if they were clips of audio, they would be scoring my daily life. And it's kind of up to me to uh, pay attention to which miniatures I'm going to keep on the shelf and keep holding in my hand, stringing around my neck like charms, placing on my altar like prayers. In an attempt to be kind to myself, and thinking about this in reverse, I think about how over the years I've tried to be helpful or supportive or the times I've made someone laugh. It's heartening to think that I'm probably responsible for some miniatures in other people's minds, too. I'm imagining now a room full of shelves of miniatures, and each miniature symbolizes a sculpted thought, a sculpted story, a sculpted act of love that I have received. There are so many, and I'm so lucky to have that holy room that I can visit every day if I choose to. And when I sit in the present moment, I ask myself, what miniatures am I working on now? Something small I can focus on, something doable. Rather than holding the world on my shoulders where it doesn't belong, how can I dip my hands in the material world that has made itself known to me and share tangible thought with others? The meals that I make are my miniatures, the plants that I take care of, the stories I tell to make people laugh, the pieces of audio and writing that I sculpt and press out into the world. Holding these items in my hands, it reminds me of the feeling of looking up at the sky or at the ocean at night when the waves blend with the horizon. In those moments, I feel small. I feel held like I'm part of something bigger. Is that how my miniatures, if made animate, might feel in my hands? As the big one in the room, I feel strong, but I also feel tender. I feel responsible for something so small. I think the play in perspective is really important. It makes me feel like a shapeshifter. When I get too big, I can zoom in. And when I feel like I'm way too zoomed in, I can go to the ocean, look out at the horizon, and feel small and held by the earth, like a miniature. Material Feels is produced by me, your host, Catherine Monahan. I'm an artist and audio storyteller based in Oakland, California, living on a lonely land. I'm originally from New York State. I've got a background in art and a love for the material world. Our associate producer, Elizabeth Elise, produces original music for each episode and crafts our underscores. Sounds are also sourced from freesound.org and MSFX. Please share the show with your loved ones. Review it on Apple Podcasts. Shop Waveform Ceramics, our store on Etsy. Contribute to our Patreon. And most importantly, make a date with your creative side and engage with the material world, however you love to most. Hey.